With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is episode 15 of Unplugged and Undeniable. I am your host, Jesse Velasquez. My guest today is Amanda Ruler from the Great White North in Saskatchewan, Canada. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, It's going to be fun, I think. I truly believe it's going to be. Um, you may dive into just who you are and some of the things, actually all of the things that you're doing. It's going to be a laundry list, so take your time. Oh, yeah. So I, I would say I'm a like kind of a professional badass overall, just because I don't see a lot of people, um, especially women in my position, doing a lot of the stuff that I am doing. Um, I Where do I even begin with some of the stuff that I've done? So I've been trying to push to be a professional athlete my entire life. I did university track and field as well as soccer. I moved on to bobsled and skeleton um, living in Calgary, working out at the Olympic Training Center there. Uh, I moved on to going to do an open tryout for the Legends Football League in California. We could talk more about that and that experience. And I played in the Legends Football League for the LA Temptations as well as the Atlanta Steam. Then I moved on to try out for Team Canada Women's Worlds football team, where I represented my country at Worlds in 2017 and won a silver medal. Um, now I compete in Olympic lifting. So that's comprises of snatch and clean and jerk. And I hold the my provincial record of Saskatchewan in my weight class for snatch and clean and jerk, as well as the total. Um, and from there, I am actually a sports broadcaster. So I do some stuff not right now I hate to say for the Canadian Football League which is on they're taking a break this year but when they are in season I work on a little tv show called in the huddle where I get to go interview the Saskatchewan Rough Riders part of the CFL at practice game days talk to coaches athletes which is amazing because as a football player myself I love interviewing athletes. It's not only I'm an athlete, but I can talk the sport too, right? So from there, I'm a game day host for the Saskatchewan Rush, which is a lacrosse team here, Um, in-game host. So I have to be a professional hype man. I have to get on the microphone and hype the whole crowd up, right? Get them excited about the game. And we do little contests throughout, um, throughout the game. Um, I'm also a speed coach. So I went to the University of Regina and got my bachelor's of kinesiology. I have my CSCS, which is a uh, certified strength conditioning specialist. I am an exercise physiologist as well. So I um, recently did some speed coaching for the University of Regina Rams um, football team, which is amazing because they haven't had a woman be a coach of their team. So I was kind of one of the first women. Well, sorry, I am the first woman to work with that team which was kind of amazing. Obviously I'm not doing that right now, um, but I'm speed training a lot of athletes privately with COVID rules, <laughs> kind of on the side. We were doing a lot of outdoor stuff, moving to indoor, which is kind of making it a little bit tough. And I have my own online website where I work with uh, athletes, specifically speed training. If people are interested in doing speed training with me, that's my bread and butter. And I just recently did um, a speech with the National Strength and Conditioning Association on Halloween about how to speed train for athletes. And I hit on uh, 
how to be good for football athletes, why sprint training for football athletes and other athletes in specific. So yeah, that's kind of me right now. <laughs> so much like your life and how fast paced it is, you're into all of the fast twitch sports as we've gathered from all of that nice laundry list that you gave um, with the athletics and they've been a part of your life. I'm assuming they've been a part of your life since like elementary school dive into um, like, which sport did you truly enjoy the most? I'd say from elementary school moving forward. Yeah, even when I was six years old, I was put in uh, professional figure skating. I know that's like really weird. So I was in professional figure skating and gymnastics, which I think is if I do have a child myself, it, I, you never really know. If I do, I would love to put it in gymnastics because you get, get such a base for athletics and I gain that base uh um, stability, balance, that everything that kind of brought me into what I am today, right? And from there, I started playing soccer. And my dad was my coach for all of my mini soccer teams. And my I played with my brother as well. And that was huge for me is just being supported by my family along the way. And I said, okay, like, I really, I really like playing soccer, like, what else can I do? So they put me in track and field. And I actually started excelling at that quite a bit. Because um, I was faster than the girls faster than the boys at my school in elementary school. So I started loving that sport a lot, even though, because I feel like sprinting is the apex of all athleticism, right? Because every time you look at a speed and power sport, speed is the divider between a, a, a good athlete and a great athlete. So I wanted to utilize that in all the other sports that I partaked in throughout my athletic career. And I started getting in more stuff and more stuff. I loved um, track and field. And then I got a scholarship to the University of Regina for track and field. But I still loved soccer because that was my uh, the first sport my parents put me in um, full time besides um, gymnastics and figure skating. So I tried out for the soccer team. I did the scholarship and I actually ended up making the team. And it was quite hard to do the two together because I was quite fast. I was literally getting up at 6 a.m. doing soccer practice from like 6 to 8 and then school and then track practice 6 to 8 p.m. So in my second year, I had I had to give one up and I hate to say that. So I um, focused on CIS track and field and I excelled at that being the top of my level. And I broke several university records at 60 meter, um, 300 meter and four by 200 meter. Gosh. Um, what drew you to sprinting competitively? Was it just because that you, you knew that you had a gift because you were like beating everybody in all of your classes? What drew you to the sport? Yeah, um, I would say it was kind of a way of me to fine tune my athletic ability. And I thought it's so challenging when you when you compete in sprinting not there's no one day where you're going to sprint perfectly like even at every track practice there's something that you can do differently it's so technical and I do compete in Olympic weightlifting and that's the same for Olympic weightlifting is because you're moving the bar so fast and it's so technical and I think that's what drew drove me drove me to it because it's a an individual sport and everything you do like if I if I miss a day of practice it's on me like if I miss a day of football practice and I come back, somebody could potentially, I'm not saying they will pick up the slack for me and pick up a play, right. Or, or whatever is going to happen that day. But 
if I miss a practice of track and field, that is on me. I'm not going to yeah. get that 1% better every single day. So I was actually driven to it because it's individual and I hadn't participated just individually before going to the sport and I was actually good. So it, it was kind of almost a chance for me to show off my talents. And I know other people can kind of relate with that. Cause if you start to be um, good at something and I've been in stuff where I'm not good. Like when I first started at football, I definitely wasn't good at it. And it took me a while to get in the groove of it. But once you find that passion for it, you're like, I'm just going to go show off my talents. Right. I put in all this energy and effort and I'm someone as I'm only five feet. I had to put in the time because a lot of the time when I was sprinting, I had a really great start, but people with longer limbs, physics, <laughs> they could catch up to me, right? Because all air times are the same with sprinting. But if you cut, uh, cover longer ground in the air, you're actually faster than the other person, right? So yep. I had to catch up by putting in the work. I had to outwork a lot of people. And you can get by like in the beginning, like in the learning stage, you can get by with your natural athleticism with some of the other sports that you started. So, I mean, so the learning curve for you might be a little bit shorter than someone who like hasn't been involved in those competitive athletics, which is key for you. Um, so growing up as well, um, were you playing on a lot of women team sports or guy team sports? Yeah. Um, so growing up, I played on a lot of mix so it was like men and yeah. women and I think that made me like a very comfortable like playing with men and pushing myself because I will say this like in my especially in my area it was more competitive for men to be in sports and pushed when I was younger right so now we see a lot of women participating in sports because it's a lot more popular but back in when I was a little bit younger it wasn't popular for women to or young ladies to be in sports like play with a doll, right? That's what they would say. But I was like, I'm no, I want to actually like kick a kick a football. I want to play yeah. uh, catch. I want to kick a soccer ball. And that's that me being able to play with the guys in that aspect kind of made me figure out like I I can be just as good as these guys because I actually was faster than a lot of them. And that opened up my eyes to the potential I might have in sports. Was it difficult growing up? Um, would, would you classify yourself as a tomboy? Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, the thing is, is like back in the day, 100% I was a tomboy. Like I wore, um, and it's funny is that I had to cover up the woman I was becoming, right? Because I felt mm. like I had to wear baggy clothes and I like mm. to look and act like the guys, right? Mm. And I had to wear like hats. I do love hats, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I almost had to cover up like the lady that I was, I wasn't becoming just to like fit in with the guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sad to hear that because sometimes I just didn't want men or boys to look at me as like a lady. I might like that girl. I might find her sexually attractive because I wanted to just fit in with them as a buddy, as a pal or a, a teammate. And I still find that now sometimes it's like, I am this amazing person. I love the way that I look physically because just athletics, like I don't work out for vanity. I work out for physical um, performance. I want to be strong and fast, but I have had a great body just maintaining it through everything that I've done through speed and power and watching my nutrition. And I don't want to come across as this sexual being, right? But right. it's sometimes hard to kind of you kind of get pigeonholed in that, right? Because you are the way that you look, you definitely can. 
and I try to stray stray away from that so I am kind of the tomboy look like I'm definitely wearing joggers and like a baggy shirt yeah stuff like that but I love I won't apologize for wearing a bikini I won't apologize for being who I am because that's that's just who I am um so take it or leave it right exactly were, were you accepted by a like I'd say like the general, um, the general amount of, of all of teammates that you competed with, like more so the males, I'd say than anything. Oh yeah. And that, that was actually like a really huge thing for me is because I wanted to be accepted as like a teammate, um, Mm -hmm. and accepted as like a worthy adversary with them. Right. Because that was huge for me. I wanted to gain respect. And sometimes that might be harder for women when they're coming into a situation like that. I will say this because you, it's like almost like you have to prove something. Like Absolutely. for example, like when I had, when I was applying for different positions as a coaches or a speed coach or something like that, I have to come in and tell you why I'm qualified. But, but whereas like most men, like you're like, okay, you're a male, you are an athlete, you're already kind of qualified in that aspect, but constantly I have to prove why I'm worthy. Not only did I play this sport, but I also have degrees, but I have to tell people that right off the bat. Like they're not going to, they're not going to just accept me for who I am as a female. And I understand that. And I wish to change that narrative. And that's why I feel like having conversations like this is so huge. Um, I feel like we will get there and hopefully like picking away at it little by little showing that I'm definitely somebody worth considering for a position at a media level or at a coaching level. Like I'm on two big spectrums of which is male dominated industries. Mm-hmm. I can fit in, I can be there. And when I have athletes that respect me for my power and speed ability, that's yeah. huge because that means more to me than coming in and just um, starting fresh with them because they already know about me and who I am. Were there ever any times that you were discriminated against because you were a woman in, in those instances? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a few chances where people didn't quite know um, like they just see you as a female. Right. So sometimes people didn't even want to answer my questions as athletes. Like they would just like hop over me and answer the next person beside me. And it kind of hits you right away that they might be doing that because of who I am. And I get that, but I'm going to come back more aggressive and I've had times where I was outside of a stadium and I do want to touch on this moment absolutely. because sometimes male, male reporters might not go through this situation. I was outside of a stadium interviewing patrons before they were going into a football game. And I had, um, I was interviewing somebody and he was quite intoxicated. Uh, I hate, I hate to say, but he ended up leaning over and kissing me on the cheek and he grabbed my butt. And I do not, that's not okay, right? That's not okay. But as a professional, you you can't, and I'm sure like any professional in this situation wouldn't freak out, but I kindly just said, you know what? Like that's inappropriate, please walk away now. I handled that for me and who I am, right? But I feel like that's a situation not a, ma- a lot of male, probably male reporters go through. And I've heard that time after time that that happens to a lot of females is that we're being kind of almost objectified in that situation where I'm not even, I'm not asking for this. I'm not asking for that to happen. I'm just doing my job and I would just like to not be flustered, right? But it's a situation like that where it kind of brings you to like, 
did I do something almost when you think in your head, but you have to remember like, no, this happens. And I hate saying that this happens. I wish it didn't. So like us having this conversation, maybe we can kind of bring that down and like, this doesn't happen to women that are just trying to be professional in their industry. And this individual was intoxicated. So obviously not a clear state of mind. So was this live? Mm -hmm. Was this edited thankfully or? Thankfully it was, it was edited. So um, we were able to take that out, but um, I can't imagine there's been some instances where I've seen on TV where stuff like that is live and it's unfortunate. Um, And I've also had some people approach me being like, oh, do you think that you're going to be in this industry for long in sports media? Like, you're not going to have a shot. Why are you trying? I've had some men tell me that specifically that were competitive with me for a position uh, to not try because I didn't have a shot. And that is extremely, I mean, it's, and you're actually spinning it in a different direction. Like for some with like, I would say a weaker mindset that could be a little bit demoralizing. Whereas I feel like you have the personality where you use that for fuel and just kind of turn it back around and you end up persevering because of that. Um, Does that seem about right for you? Oh yeah. No, you, you can kind of see as soon as I said it, I had a little smile on my face because as soon as that guy said that to me, I was like, yeah, well, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, watch this, watch this. And it was funny because within like almost one year, I had um, someone was already calling me for a TV gig. And this person, individual, was still stuck at their um, position that they're at. So I I actually am smiling because I just stuck my nose to the grind and still continued with who I am. And I never deviated from the original plan. And it ended up working out in my favor and not theirs. (laughs) And having talent is, I mean, talent is always going to rise to the top no matter what. It can get a little bit political at times, but in some way, shape, or form, you're going to get to where you were meant to be just because A, you have the talent, but also B, because you put in the works, the reps, and get yourself into that position. Exactly. Yeah, it's so huge because... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a, I think as a athlete from a young age, I think mm-hmm. it instilled in me discipline. Because a lot of people think that you need to be motivated to do anything. And that's not the case at all. I like a lot of the days, like I'm not motivated to go to the gym. What sets me apart from the average individual is I'm disciplined to go to the gym. I still go and I still show up and I still put my nose to the grind in every situation. I still get the reps in. Like, although there was COVID, 
I'm still on Instagram doing Instagram lives with athletes and I'm still doing podcasts. I'm doing um, everything to get the reps in so that I'm stronger when I come out of this situation. And if I go to interview an athlete um, after this, you know what, I'll be stronger because I just got the reps in, right? Because I got the reps in at the gym. I got mental reps in outside of the gym. I got reps in doing this. And I think that's so huge is when people ask, what's your main motivation? I'm like, I don't have it. I have discipline. Over the last seven and a half months, how have you adapted to COVID and just kind of spun yourself into potentially either new projects or just gotten better at um, some of the things that you had been doing? Oh, COVID definitely took a toll on me because I lost all of my original jobs because I, like I said, I, um, do a lot of stuff in the community for broadcasting as well as like people hire me out to go to events um, and utilize their social media for their company, but now no events, no getting together. So I had to shift gears and I had to shift gears fast. So I, I do have an online business that I kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to because I was quite overwhelmed with other stuff. So I was able to shift gears and put more attention into that and work with more athletes online um, and do stuff in the community. So I was able to get out and do speed training with them just outside, um, trying to be COVID safe, individual stuff, and do a lot more stuff online, um, which has been huge for me. So that's been a huge shift is me focusing on that 100%. Then I booked a whole bunch of Instagram interviews with athletes. Um, and I was doing almost like two a day I've kind of slowed down, but I was doing quite a bit of interviewing so I could get the reps in. And I actually have been going to schools. I've been, I did some speeches about how to become an Instagram influencer, um, sharing my journey in it. I'm not saying like, this is the job for you, but it's making kids aware. Cause I went to a high school, making kids aware that this potentially could be a, an opportunity for you because it's such a huge market. Like you could get into it you could do review shoes. You could stream on Twitch. You can, um, utilize Instagram, you could do uh, a healthy mindset blog. The internet is huge right now for marketing. And I think that that's if I was in school, I, that's something that I'd want to hear from somebody that's actually in the industry. And I'm happy that to share that message. And then I've been doing speeches about speed training, like I had mentioned for the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So a lot of my stuff has been shifted online. Um, and it's given me more time to do stuff like that because I didn't have time to do that before. So it's strengthening another aspect of my life I didn't have time for before. And in a sense, it slowed a lot of the, like the true, like the real life stuff down, but also kind of sped up the yeah. process of you learning and learning something new that you can add to your toolbox. Um, speaking of social media, great segue. Uh, are there topics or do you ever run out of content that you put out or do you just continuously have ideas that you generate and just throw it out there? I will be, I, I like to be transparent with these answers because there's definitely lulls where I don't have a lot of ideas coming in and it's situations where I become overwhelmed with outside work. For example, like when I was getting ready for doing these presentations the last um, month here, it's been kind of a struggle for me internally with social media. So I got a few, cause I used to post every single day, but it's kind of been a little more sporadic now. Um, so I actually go to the, I want to give out more information that you can take away. Right. So I actually go to the track and I do batch, I, I batch my content. So I took like five or six videos of me doing speed stuff and I bring it home. I, I type 
all the captions up that I want to do, then I'll post it sporadically. So that's been kind of a saving grace. And if you do want to go about it that way, I would suggest batching content because it is quite hard to come up with new ideas all the time. And honestly, like I had mentioned, life is way too short. So I like to be informational. I also like to be funny because I love to laugh personally. And I'm too much of a creative bug to just be always just giving out, you know, here's, here's, uh, black and white information. I love to be creative as you guys probably saw in some of my stuff. Um, I, and those videos go pretty viral. Like some of the stuff that I have done. Um, I love doing that kind of stuff and just being funny. It is hard to come up with those constant ideas though. So sometimes I hop on some of the trends that are pretty popular right now and just kind of roll with it. Cause I life's too short to kind of be stagnant. Right. <laughs> I completely agree. Give me one or two of your favorite, um, posts that you've made just in terms of like humorous or gone viral? Yeah. Um, one of the ones recently is, um, me having just like a regular outfit on. And then I had like a football cleat here and then I went and kicked it with one on my foot and I stood up and I was in my team Canada wear and it was only a 10 second video. Um, and then I stood up and I caught someone had passed a ball to me and I caught a football. But because I said I was ready for NFL season to come out, I was like, I'm ready for the NFL season. And that went a little viral because um, it kind of showcased like, you know, a big, a big strong woman, I think, yeah. um, kind of wearing this Team Canada uniform, like I come out like just all casual, kick a shoe and you change the outfit, right? And that was a viral post um, from TikTok is that people were wearing casual clothes and they kicked like a, a heel or something and then they looked they were in a dress, but I took it up another notch and was like, I'm going to change to my sporting outfit. And that went a little viral. Um, I did a post where I was actually doing swinging with the stars in my community last season, which is just a charity fundraiser um, where they took like a, a star in the community, which is me. Yeah. And uh, we got them to, to dance with a professional person. So we did hip hop and I did a WWE hip hop dance. Okay. And at the end, I, um, I took these two beers and I chugged them together and went like this. I did mm -hmm. the stone cold um, beer chugging. And I, somebody took a picture right under me like this with the beers. And I actually tweeted it at Stone Cold Steve Austin, a picture of him drinking the beers and me. And I said, who did it better? And oh my gosh, he tweeted me back saying like technique was pretty good. And like, he gave me a little critique and it went super viral. Like Yahoo News had called me and the Chive had called me just wanting to get like some exclusive clips. And that tweet went crazy, crazy viral. So um, I, I uh, love that, that that happened. And it gives you a little interesting insight on social media. It could be something just as like little as just tweeting your favorite celebrity. And yeah. it could go in such a huge way you never know. And like you just feel good when they tweet you back or, or you get a little notoriety. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, um, that's something cool. Like with social media is you probably weren't able to do that years and years and years ago is tweet your favorite celebrities and get them to, to hit you back. Right? No, you're 100% right. I've had that happen a couple of times. But leading into that story you just talked about with the beers and Steve Austin's, it's actually how I found you on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Nice. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I really had no clue because I mean, I use Instagram and Twitter for two different things. Instagram for me is like all about fitness and nutrition and Twitter for the most part is wrestling, but I'll also just throw just some, it's just kind of like my random, like I'll get articles out there, stuff like that. But a lot of it is wrestling based. So to be able to find you on there was 
was kind of cool. And I also saw that we had some like-minded interests, which is going to lead me to my next question. Um, your transition into Olympic weightlifting, what got you into the sport of Olympic weightlifting? Because this is something I've been doing now as well for four years. And um, I had a crazy incident that kind of like led me to it. What, what led you to it? Nice. Um, so originally like all the other sports that I've competed in, that was a base of our training was Olympic lifting. So everything from when I was at the university, uh, for track and field, it's a speed and power sport. So to me to gain speed and power is working with the Olympic lifting movements. There's probably tons of coaches that do not agree with me. Totally fine. But for me, that's kind of like where our bread and butter was. We sprinted, we Olympic lifted. So we did, we have mostly like more power snatch and power, um, cleans and jerks and stuff like that mm -hmm. supplemented with some power lifting. Um, so it was really funny is because I just had finished football in 2017 and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do a meet like an Olympic lifting meet. Cause we did it in training and I reached out to someone in my community that was on team Canada Olympic lifting. And I said, could you coach me? And he's like, well, I've never coached before. I just compete. He's like, you can work out around me. So I did. And then he started like giving me programming and, um, he uh, coached me in my first competition and man, was that scary? Cause like, it was just something I never did. But once you get, you know, first lifts out of the way, you're like, holy smokes, like this is actually kind of fun. Like mm -hmm. to PR, like there's no better feeling than to, PR, a snatch or a clean and jerk. Um, and there is a lot of strategy, as you know, to get in like a good total for something, maybe to win a competition or maybe just to get your personal record. And that attracted me to the sport is because again, it's individual and as hard as you work is, is, is going to be the results that you get. And I love like that. It's so technical that not a lot of people can do it. And like when, when I do it, I, it's almost like another aspect for me to kind of showcase my talents. <laughs> Cause like when people see you do that as like a little mighty five foot uh, person or whoever, and they're like, oh my gosh, you can clean and jerk 200 pounds above your head. Like they're just like, their mind is like blown. And I love that. I actually love that. I love exceeding people's expectations of myself or what women can do. And I think that's attracted me to the sport. I think that's impressive too. There is a woman at my gym. She um, now opened up her, um, her nail salon about a year and a half ago, two years ago now, um, her own business. She's a state record holder here in Minnesota for her class. I think 54 kilos, 55, somewhere in there. Um, but she's probably five one. And I think she snatched 70 kilos and she clean and jerked like 84, 85. And it was just, it was empowering. She's also a mother too, um, has an like 11 or 12 year old daughter. So to see it. Um, and then I think I kind of like sparked interest around our gym as well. Um, have you had any like other young ladies like come to you saying, thank you so much. You inspired me to go out and try Olympic weightlifting, something I never would have done before. Oh yeah. I actually get that constantly. Um, a lot of women reach out to me because I do a lot of talks, um, with women and I actually spoke at kind of, um, a women's day conference about who I am and what I do. And I had some women come up to me after and said, they've never lifted weights before in their life. And they were young, the young, young ladies. And they said, I actually want to do it now. And I was like, Yes. Like that's what I want to do is I want to inspire, um, any woman to pick up a barbell, um, or just to do a speed sport, because I guarantee 
to you. They're just afraid of what um, the stigma is with it. And that's the feedback that I do get from people is like, they're just afraid of what might come from that is people saying they probably can't or the embarrassment. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and that's just like any, like guys probably feel the same way too. Like sometimes they might be embarrassed if they've never picked up a barbell before. Um, they think maybe they'll balloon to a big bulky individual, but I've been lifting weights my entire life. And I look, I'm, I've been the same size my entire life. Um, it all depends on what you're doing, right? I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm a performance athlete Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to get stronger and stronger. And like, when I explain that to them and saying like, Hey, I started and I was hella awkward, right? We all start with the barbell and we're like, what the heck are we even doing here? Um, but you just got to persevere. And I think that speaks volumes for the amount of sports I've done. I don't think you'll ever find any, any other female athlete. I mean, I've never seen them. That's done the amount of sports I've done because I had to start over and that's in every single sport. And that's the biggest challenge is people don't want to start over. If you ask people like they're afraid to uh, maybe leave a relationship because they don't want to start over. They're afraid mm-hmm. to move because they don't want to start over. I moved to the United States. I, I didn't have any friends or family. They don't want to start a new sport. I've talked to people that have been in Olympic lifting their entire life and they don't want to start a whole new sport because they have to start over. So technically, like when I started Olympic lifting, I had to start over at 30 years old, mm-hmm. but I wasn't afraid, right? I'm just yeah. going to still go into it because to me, I've been there. I've done that. I've started over in hundreds and hundreds of things. Um, and I've been through what it, uh, the challenge, how it can change your life and shape it. And there's so many different versions of myself I've been through. And I think that's kind of beautiful. Like if you change yourself, I think that's awesome. And I would never want to stay stagnant and just be the same person year by year, because I think that that's kind of a waste of your potential is like, how, how could you not see another version of yourself and what that might be like? We evolve as humans. I mean, there's going to be different stages in life where obviously like early 20s, we're a little bit confused. We don't know what we're doing. We think we know what we're doing. We don't have a grasp. As you get older, everything like priorities change. However, you got to constantly um, challenge yourself with different things because otherwise you said it yourself. Life's too short, Uh, which brings me to another question, a little bit off topic. But um, we talked off air about you driving across the country by yourself. Um, kind of describe in growing up in Canada as well. Uh, give me some, give me a couple of stories about your drive across the country. You've been to California, you played football also in Atlanta. What's that like? Yeah. So, so originally like, um, I was actually in skeleton at the time and I was living in Calgary and my mom had told me you got to come home because my dad actually had brain cancer at the time. And she said that he had went into a coma. So I had come home from Calgary um, and it was in maybe like two weeks, my dad passed away. So to me, I was just like, man, like, what am I doing? And you question yourself and you question your life and you're like, I want to live it to the fullest. And one of the things I've always wanted to do is live in the United States. And it is quite hard because of uh, procedures, protocols, visas, stuff like that. But I saw that there was an open tryout for the Legends Football League in Los Angeles. And I got in my car And I drove from Canada down to LA all by myself, which was, you know, a few days drive. And um, I got to the open tryout. I knew no one. And um, I ran the 40, I ran a 475. And I remember they're like, no, they they actually didn't believe me because they thought there was something wrong. Like they thought that there was something wrong with their stopwatch. So they made me run it again. Um, But my time was consistent. It was like 
around the same time, like probably a four eight or something. And they're like, um, and then, then obviously I, I, I remember them saying I was too short to play because a lot of those women in the league are actually way bigger than me. Like they're like five, eight, some girls, five, 11, my, mm-hmm. one of my roommates, I lived with five, 11, my goodness. Um, so they told me, no, like they actually said you're fast, but honestly, you're too short. So I, <laughs> I actually showed up at their practices, just yeah. like, you know, on the sideline and eventually they actually let me in and I ended up making the team and it's because I had nothing to lose. Right. Cause when you go through a, a tragedy, such as losing a father, you have nothing to lose at that point. Right. So I was going to make it happen for me to be this football player in the States. And eventually I ended up, um, playing for Los Angeles for a few years. And then, cause I wanted to explore the States. Right. So I kind of, mm-hmm. it was just a year to year contract. I ended up going with Atlanta for the last year. So I drove right across the States, lived in Atlanta for a little bit, um, competed with that team and then drove home, drove back. Like I ended up driving. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Driving across the country quite a few times, um, which was amazing to kind of see how the, how the United States changes as you go from state to state. And me being able to visit places I've never been, like... Um, Illinois or uh, Montana or explore Nevada a little bit more. Oh my gosh, that state is actually beautiful to me because I live in Canada and it's very cold here a lot of the time. So being in that heat, uh, it was cool. And just learning from the experience and traveling and, and being in a situation where you have nothing to lose, it makes you be, challenges you, it makes you be a different person, right? It does. Um, is there a higher altitude where you are in Saskatchewan? Um, no, we're actually flat, 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 flat. So we're <laughs> probably the lowest. If you go up to Calgary, it starts getting a little, like a little bit more elevation, but mm-hmm. we're a very flat province. <laughs> okay. I was going to say like, cause when it comes to conditioning pieces, like training in higher altitude, um, is, is, is extremely helpful. I think feel like you gain an advantage that way. So, um, next question for you is in terms of your transition now as you're a CSCS, you're a sprinting coach as well. What are some of the characteristics that you possess that makes you a great sprinting coach? Because I feel that with, if you're a, you're a gifted athlete, you're a great athlete at times you, you sometimes can't convey specific things just because it's like, Hey, I, I mean, not because of just the work ethic, but also natural, natural ability. But I mean, you do know your stuff, but at the same time, you can, 
can you break things down step by step to a novice? I guess would be one question. What kind of separates you from other coaches? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question because, you know, at once, one time I was a novice and me listening to people trying to explain stuff to me, I was explained in a novice way. So I had good coaches that were able to do that. So I actually learned from them. Um, and I've had coaches that were at a really elite level and explained things to me at a higher level. So now when I come into coaching, I say to an athlete, Hey, like we are going to do this drill. And I give them like, even I work with 12 year olds. Um, I give them the reasoning why, like, and I actually give them technical terms so that they can use it. But I also be like, Hey, we're going to do this because it works this system. But guess what? All it is, is we're just going to do in and out drill. We're just going to sprint fast. We're going to float sprint fast, fast and float. And I break it down two ways so that they can learn. They um, Because I had athletes, like 12-year-old athletes, I said, what did you learn today? They're like, maximum velocity. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. And I make it fun. Like, not only do we do our speed training, but we do quickness and agility at the end. And when we do that, we do games. So it's like, okay, and we just did this game. Why did we do this game? So I kind of make them reiterate why we're doing it. And I ask them, okay what helpful cues help you today that you want to use? Like when I, when I say to an athlete shoulders back, right. For when they're doing sprinting to kind of assemble like a straighter line, like I call it a hard post. Mm-hmm. I say, what, what cue can I give you specifically? That's going to make you kind of go in that position. Should I say shoulders back? And sometimes they're like, no, I don't, I don't respond to that. And I'm like, okay, hold on. What do you want me to say? Or just to say, line, straight line. They're like, okay. Yeah. That actually sounds better. Just say line and I'll, I'll assemble it. Or I ask them what they want because I've been in the position where I've been coached by so many coaches. Like how I've told you all the sports I've been in, I've had really good coaches and I've had really, really bad coaches. So I've had it all. And so I'm able to actually bring that into my coaching now is I ask the athlete first, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? Because as bad as I want to help that athlete, they have to help me help. They have to help me help them. And I make sure I address them as a human first, not just a like a, a go-go athlete. What's going on in your head? How's practice today? Because every, every practice I come in with a plan A, rarely going to be the practice, right? Because you have to come in, ask the athlete, how are you feeling today? What, what should we do today? What cues did I not give you at last practice that you, that you felt I didn't provide? How can we go forward with this? And always we go with the plan B, right? Usually, because some days mm-hmm. athletes aren't feeling well. They're not sometimes mentally there because something could be happening at home. You never know. And I think that's so huge is some coaches never asked me that. They just made me come in like a workhorse. And I've been on that spectrum before. And I've been on the spectrum where I've had people reach out being like, how are you feeling today? And that was one of the hugest different, uh, that was a huge difference between me and some of the coaches that I actually performed well for, because especially with female athletes is um, there's kind of a different motivation level. Honestly, like I found is because sometimes we want to perform almost to appease a coach or something right because if the coach puts in any effort for us we want to be there so we can perform for them sometimes and I found to be for a lot of male athletes they like to perform for 
um, themselves or they're going to be like, just despite someone else, if the coach tells you your shit, right. You're going to yeah. be like, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to show you wrong for women. That's not usually the case. If a, if a coach told me I was shit, which I was told before I shut down, I shut down. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that. Cause I'm not, I'm not gonna, I basically am out. Like I'm just out. I'm not going to do anything for you then because I felt like I've put in the effort. So different genders, I will say that not every single person, maybe the different athlete, you need to ask, how do you respond? Always. Um, I feel the most vastly underrated characteristic of a good coach is building relationship first. I feel that we all, um, we all educate ourselves. I mean, some educate ourselves more than others. However, it's the ones that are like really good with people. Um, and like you said, have a plan, a plan, B plan, C for things blow up, um, to have that in your back pocket. That's instrumental. Um, you being an athlete yourself and now coaching youngsters, do you feel that there is a difference between when you were an athlete or like when you were a younger athlete and then coaching someone now, like in their early teens, are, are the characteristics the same Are the principles the same, or do you have to, um, kind of change the demeanor and change the lingo of like, Oh, I think it's all different now, to be honest. Like there's a lot of old school, old school coaches that have a lot of old school principles and there's, they're stuck in their way of like, I know how to coach you. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. And it's been a lot of pushback, like, especially from um, me as a female coach, them thinking, oh, you don't know what you're doing. Yell at your athletes. And that's one thing I never brought is I've had coaches yell at me and I didn't respond. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the athlete, how do you, how do you stay motivated? Do you want me to be a little bit more stern? I will not yell. Or do you want me to be kind of, um, who I am. And that's just how I coach is I do it according to what the athletes wants. And I'm never like yelling at them saying that they're doing something incorrectly. I break it down for technique. If they are doing something incorrectly, I'll just take them aside and I'll let them know. I just think it's so um, crazy that some people still hang on to old school techniques. Like for example, if you have speed and power athlete and you have your base season why are you making your athlete, your, your speed athlete, just running like a couple mile run for their speed training? And I just mm-hmm. think that's that's an old school like hockey technique is because I go to the track and all the hockey athletes or sorry, hockey athletes are running um, just like kilometers or miles or whatever that for their training. Whereas they need to be doing, if it's, especially if it's dry land training, speed specific stuff. Mm-hmm. We're doing short speed, um, maybe max I don't know, 50, hundred meters, max, max. We don't need to be doing a whole bunch of 400 meters um, training because that's what you come to speed training for, right? Is this speed specific stuff. And I think that the old school principles still kind of take over for a lot of people and they don't want to kind of open up their mindset to how can we make this better? And that's, everything's changed for me because when I first started like um, athletics, it was run, run, uh, go do a run, go do laps. And now it's okay. We're going to work on technique, which is the way it should be because you, again, you alluded to it. And in hockey players, we'll use that example, 30 Mm -hmm. to 45 second shifts. They're off the ice. Um, 
resting for three minutes and then right back on. You want to be able to give 80 to 100% every shift. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're going with the longer twitch stuff, the two, three, four, four mile runs. You're looking more at, like you said, like 50, 50 yard sprints, 100 meter sprints, like plyometrics, box jumps. Um, I think Olympic lifting would be extremely helpful for a hockey player. Um, just so many different dynamics there. So, so growing up then, you, um, you were a figure skater, you said. Um, were you discouraged to play hockey? Were you not into hockey? Oh, just for me, it just wasn't, um, I just didn't love it. Like I did play some pickup games. Yeah. I don't think I loved it as much as, uh, like I was putting figure skating, soccer and gymnastics right away. I just love soccer. I love kicking a ball. Um, totally up to me. I like my brother didn't play hockey either. So I don't think we were just quite a hockey family. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't, um, accepted or discouraged because I, you know, I ended up playing football. Like my family let me do whatever I want. It just, for me in my position, which is really weird because I'm in Canada and everybody plays hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's so funny that I never actually played in my professional setting. Yeah. Especially with all the other things that you did. Um, the transition yeah. from soccer to football, was it extremely difficult for you? Um, for me, it's, it was because I, um, I didn't do a lot of catching sports growing up. And so you have all these people growing up doing catching sports, um, maybe getting a whole bunch of reps in for football. But me as a female growing up, there wasn't a lot of chances for me to play football besides like me and my dad just throwing a football in the backyard. Um, So I played a lot of soccer. I was quick. I was really good with cutting. So that's something I brought to the table is speed and cutting and that aspect. My catching game needed a lot of work. So I think that's why I wasn't I wasn't a great athlete right out of or football athlete right out of the jump. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go into bobsledding. And you said skeleton as well. Um, Again, there's just so many sports that you not to say conquered, but you have excelled at. Um, Describe how like the things you were doing before back in track, like how that translated to skeleton and some of the other winter sports that you did. Yeah. Um, so being in track and field, I was actually recruited to come um, kind of push with the Canadian bobsled team in the aspect of um, doing some tryout stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go down there and they have like a little ice house where we did some pushing there. And I got finally got in a bobsled and it's very scary the first time because I was trying out kind of for the position of brake man. So in, in the back. Um, which is another aspect of the sport is you being able to be the pilot. It takes a lot more training and um, stuff than me just coming up there and pushing a sled for the first time. But they actually recruit people that are a little bit older because it is um, a sport where you need maximum speed. And then, you know, as we get older, our bodies develop and women actually peak for speed a lot later in life than men. So this is why I'm still trying to be strong and fast because I'm still peaking as a female. So I came there. um, The bobsled track is quite, quite scary to go down there. But as soon as you push the sled, you jump in. So it's almost like you're doing a clean, right? So you're having the sled here, you clean it, basically push it forward, run with it, jump in and you go down the track head first. So I was able to do that, but um, they actually said I wasn't, I didn't weigh enough. So it was one situation where they're like, you don't weigh enough, right? As a female. So I was able to actually, I was like, Hey, what if I do some skeleton? So I ended up doing a lot more skeleton and transitioning into that sport because I could be the same size that I am with my little sled. And I ended up competing in skeleton racing. And with that, your face is like an inch from the track, right? And 
when you are wearing your suit, right, you want to be mm-hmm. completely straight on the thing. A lot of people think that you're going all over the place. Honestly, it's just a little um, shoulder movement to create different oscillations in the track. So it's just like if I was racing um, NASCAR or maybe Porsche racing around like the newer ring, it's just taking the, the shortest lines possible around the track to be the fastest down the track. So that was actually quite, uh, quite fun to participate in those sports. I'll bet it was. And it, it sounds similar to another out of left field question. Um, crashed ice. Are you familiar with the sport? Yes. Uh, yeah. The crash sports um, for the Red Bull one, right? That is yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Just kind of like with your propensity for like thrills, I would say, because skeleton, you're going 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, I, if not faster. How fast are you normally going? Yeah, most of the max, it would probably get up to around 90 miles per hour. So that'd be the max speed. The bobsled gets just a little faster, but for skeleton, mm-hmm. uh, a couple times it would get up to that speed. And that's the way it is with Red Bull crashed ice. Uh, my brother competed. He's gone all over the globe. But the one thing he says is like he works a lot. He goes to like skateboard tracks and stuff like that um, and works on like tight positions, staying tight, very similar to something that you are doing with the skeleton. You're more focused on the shapes because it's going to trim off seconds. Um, how pivotal is our technical aspects to the skeleton and bobsledding? Oh, it just like any other sport where technique matters, like sprinting, because when you look at anything that's a race mm-hmm. and where hundreds of a second matter, and that's where hundreds of a second matter, technique is kind of everything. And you like, even, even when, it, if I dropped a toe, sorry, if I dropped a toe to just drag me to put into a different line down the, like a, through a corner, that toe drop a couple hundred seconds off, you could lose your race. You could be down from first place, eighth place, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of is very technical and you know how I love technical stuff. So (laughs) yeah, I know I've gathered that a lot. (laughs) Um, nutrition growing up, did you have like a standard, I don't know what a standard Canadian diet is like growing up. I know like in America, it's like fast food is it's there. It's quick. It's convenient. Especially if like you, you were on the move constantly as a Mm -hmm. child five six days a week for me i was constantly on the move like we were eating out like two three four nights a week and it just got awful um how was your how was your nutrition growing up and then what drew you to um learning more about it and how it impacts and affects your performance oh yeah um well it's funny because nutrition is kind of what's going to be the driving force behind your performance right so even at a young age it was really funny because my parents um, cooked a lot of good plain food. And I, this is why I love plain food now, just like chicken and rice and, um, potatoes, like very macronutrient friendly without them knowing that. Cause, cause they would just go, okay, we're going to have a little bit, just a little bit of salad here. There was usually a protein carb and a good fat on the, on the plate already with them not even knowing that. And it's, it's funny that that kind of came about. And I remember even when I started high school or yeah, even elementary school track and high school track, I was like, mom, dad, like, can you buy more broccoli? They're like, who are you? Like kids usually ask for candy and I'm asking for more broccoli. And I remember even in high school, I asked, can we go buy some creatine? Because I had been educating myself on sport nutrition and I 
heard this thing called creatine, right? Even in high school. So we went and bought out my, we went and bought my first creatine and um, been using it ever since just in a performance manner. And now people ask me about how do I utilize creatine? But even from a young age, I learned that discipline and that, um, that healthy, healthy eating. I don't like to call it a diet at all because every time I ate, like when I ate like pizza for the weekend, I felt shitty. Like I felt gross and I knew it. I remember like throwing up, like sometimes I would just throw up because I ate so healthy during the week as I would eat a pizza and go do soccer practice. And I was like, mom, dad, like I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw up. Like I feel disgusting. And they kind of picked up on that. And I remember sometimes they had to cook me different meals and like when they ordered KFC or something like, cause they're still, you know, like they, I had a brother, they were just kind of not doing sports. So um, they ordered KFC sometimes and they had to actually cook me like a chicken breast on the side. Cause I was like, no, I (laughs) I was really picky. And I still am with my meals. I'm really, really picky with what I eat. Um, I do enjoy candy. I will tell you that I, I like Swedish berries. That's my uh, go-to. Okay. Um, so I will indulge in that, but not as often as people probably think. I actually do it around like a competition day because I get those sugars and I'm ready to get after it. Okay. <laughs> so on a performance day and you're using that, you don't, you don't have a tendency to crash? No, um, for me, it wasn't like a huge, um, because I'm I'm always kind of like more of a neutral level because I drink my coffee kind of plain and everything like that. Um, it kind of gave me, I like, I have just a couple like of those berries or I'll actually have gummy, uh, gummy bears because of the glucose. Oh yeah. So something just like simple glucose in your system, it kind of like enhances my performance for that time. So I was kind of looking at a little bit more performance level. Okay. <laughs> kind of like Marshawn Lynch with his Skittles. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy how some people can do that. Uh, we're going to get into what is now four fun questions because one we alluded to with Steve Austin and the beers and stuff yeah. like that. I thought that was an awesome story. Uh, question one, as you are wearing your tie-dye Chicago Bears shirt right now, how did you become a Chicago Bears fan? Nice. Yeah, I got it right here. Bear shirt. I I got this off of Etsy. Um, So like growing up, we were a CFL family. So Canadian Football League, um, big rider fan. So we didn't really have a tie to an NFL team. Like my dad didn't really love uh, an NFL team. My brother just randomly picked the Titans. And I honestly randomly pick the bears and I know that sounds crazy like how could you randomly pick a team but I did that with the XFL I picked the dragons (laughs) um so it was a chance for me to kind of start over and I didn't really have any ties to anything I picked the bears honestly and I started watching and I fell in love with it and I you like once you start having a team and you start watching and I you play fantasy football you get just so invested Mm -hmm. in the teams and what's going on and I've just been a fan ever since and I think that that's huge is I mean, like as an athlete, I know what it's like to be criticized by kind of like the average fan because I've been there. Like I've had um, messages saying, oh, you're crappy or whatever. And I think that's so horrible, even when you are playing fantasy, that people are pissed off at someone just because they didn't get them fantasy points. So I would never be that type of fan, the fanatic that I would be mad at an athlete. I just think it's fun to follow along and watch. So that's why I think I'm... uh, just a fan of athletics in general. And, you know, I like the bears. I'm not going to be like, if they lose, I'm not going to be upset. 
if they win good, great. That's sick. Um, because I'm an athlete first and I know what it's like to lose and I know what it's like to win. So I think that aspect, I know the hardship of being that athlete and trying your best. So I just, I don't put any pressure on them being a fanatic (laughs) as you shouldn't. Yeah. Question two, this is going to another perfect segue with you being an athlete. And now you, you host, like you've host multiple, um, sports shows. How has that transition been? Um, and what drew you to, because you have a pretty large personality yourself. What drew you to, um, hosting sports shows? Yeah. Um, definitely throughout sports and my life, like I was always very outgoing. I was the one that wanted to do interviews with the papers or or whoever was asking. Um, and I wanted to take photos and people are like telling me that I shouldn't do that because I should just stick my nose to the grindstone. I should just be an athlete. I shouldn't put myself out there. And as soon as I started doing that, I lost a lot of friends because they thought what I was doing was not good like like people are like why are you putting yourself out on social media why are you being outgoing you should be quiet like people were telling me I was being like when we were going on sports trips I was being too boisterous and having fun in the back the back of the bus right because I was playing cards or whatever I was told to be quiet a lot of the time as a female athlete and I hated that so I broke out of the chains I was like I'm gonna put myself on social media I'm gonna say what I want I have a voice I'm gonna be who I want to be right because it was just such a a weird thing why couldn't I why couldn't I spin sports and entertainment at the same time and it was really funny because I got a I actually had a tryout with um, WWE they had seen me be at an event and be on a microphone and they actually asked me to come try out and the first thing that we did is uh, we cut like promos and I ended up doing mine. And they asked me specifically, like, what makes you think you'd be good for WWE? And I said, all the sports I've ever done in my life, I was not accepted as being um, outgoing and entertaining. And I felt like this was maybe something that would marry my love of sports and my love of entertainment, because I've never felt like I truly fit in. Like even being on team sports or being just an individual, you're so alone, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I thought that that would be a chance for me to do that. And they loved that. Unfortunately, I I didn't make it, but that's totally fine is I ended up going on to other things, right? Being on TV as a sports broadcaster is um, what I wanted to do. And so I started pushing that and I started making that a lifestyle for me because I wanted to be Mary sports and entertainment. So I love it. As one of my last guests said himself, because he performed an entrance for one of the performers once, um, he said it's basically it's a marriage of it's he calls it sports theater. Absolutely yeah. loves it. Um, were you going to be a backstage? You trying out for like a backstage commentator, like a um, announcer in ring? What were you What were you trying out for? Um, just a WWE athlete. Oh wow! Like, straight yeah. up, yeah. They they uh, wanted me because they took us through different like wrestling stuff throughout mm-hmm. like the couple weeks that I was there. So I went to the performance center in Florida, um, or in, in Orlando, Florida. And then yeah. they, it was like me and a few other people had come out and I was like one of the only, I was, I think I was the only Canadian woman there for sure. It might've been a Canadian man, but they had scoured just for people that had, cause sometimes you can't teach charisma. You, well, can't. you can't, you actually can't. That's true. No. I'm like, not sometimes you can't. So they actually liked the person that I was above uh, that. I never wrestled before. So they tried to teach me wrestling and I, not to say that I wasn't good. They ended up only taking one person from 
you know, the 40 people that came. So I felt very honored that I was even asked to go. And some people are still getting calls up. So you never really know what could happen with that. Maybe they'll ask me one day for, uh, if they're listening for a <laughs> broadcasting gig or something, but I was asked to come down and wrestle. So that was really cool. They're all about larger than life personalities. Obviously mm-hmm. a- athleticism is going to play a huge role in it. It, to me, it's, it's, it's choreographed ballet, but, but for males and females for that matter. Um, yeah, it's something I've always been drawn to for the last 30, 35 years of my life. So <laughs> that's super cool that you were able to get that opportunity and you learned something from it too. Question three is, you're, since you've been on television quite a bit, what is your most embarrassing moment? Oh, um, so one of my most embarrassing moments is when I, I was actually on The Price is Right. So when I was called up, like I had, I uh, bid a dollar on an item and everyone had bid over. So I had one. And so I ran up on the stage and this was on TV because I watched it. Uh Um, Drew Carey had asked me, what's your name? And he put the microphone out. And for some reason, I just blacked out and I started flexing on stage because I was wearing a tank top. And like, I did not answer him. And he was like, okay, then like... (laughs) It was kind of super embarrassing because I didn't even answer because I did not hear him in my eyes. And he's like, all right, then. Um, okay, like, can you stop flexing and like pointing to the camera? Like, I looked like a huge dork. Um, but that's why I'm kind of a dork. I play video games. I actually play Call of Duty quite a bit. So um, <laughs> and from there, I ended up winning a car on The Price is Right, which is sick. But it was kind of embarrassing how I come up there and didn't even like hear him and kind of was doing my own thing for a bit <laughs> what year was this uh 2015 okay I'm so sure it I actually could... aired in 2016 so yeah i'm sure i could find that somewhere you probably you can it's on youtube youtube and everything <laughs> there you go yeah. i'll have to put that link in there for people who are listening to this uh question for your go-to meal what is it oh uh steak medium rare so grilled top sirloin steak, medium rare, and asparagus. That all sounds good. I know. And garlic mashed potatoes, if they have them. If they don't, I'll whatever mashed potatoes they want. Yeah. <laughs> that was my next question was like, what? Wait, where? where's your carb Where's source the right carb? there? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Garlic 100%. mashed potatoes. Yeah, I get that on my birthday every year because they have like this steak place here that I go to. Um, and then if it is an appetizer, I'll get like scallops, like bacon wrapped scallops. Yeah. Ooh. So... Mm-hmm. I'm hungry thinking about it right now. <laughs> you and I both, they served that at my brother's wedding uh, almost two mm. years ago now. And yeah, that was by far the best thing on the menu. And he'll say the exact same thing. Last question. You have conquered a ton of challenges growing up and then athletically um, television as well. What is the next biggest challenge on your plate that you want to conquer? Yeah. One of my biggest things is I'm reaching for is to still compete in Olympic lifting um and one of the challenges is I I would like to make team Canada just to be on kind of like a world stage compete like uh for Pan Ams which would be a big um a thing for me I'm quite competitive with one of the women that is actually on team Canada right now and we're pretty similar with our numbers so I would like to push to potentially beat her um in that aspect I know I like say that like being trying to be so like tiptoe around that I would like to beat her I would like to be on team Canada that's one of the biggest things and I would potentially like to be um a sports broadcaster on a grander scale than I am right now so I'm pushing to potentially make that a thing for myself 
On that second part, um, are you looking to come like back to America or something? Maybe even like I'll just throw out a random team, the Edmonton Oilers, something like that out there in Canada or Toronto Raptors even. NBA. Honestly, like wherever I could land, my dream job though would to be working with um, an NFL team in an aspect. Um, I would love to. I understand that that might not always be. I'm going to shoot for that star, and if I fall amongst the Edmonton Oilers, that would be sick. Like honestly, I'm already smiling, like thinking about anything. Like if 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 anyone had called me and said you got the job for uh, Edmonton, be there in a heartbeat. The Raptors, oh, that'd be so sick. Cause I work with a lot of sports teams here in Canada or Regina, or Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah. And that's awesome. But I'd love to branch out and work with another professional team in some aspect. And I'm going to throw an additional question out there. You alluded to the fact that you coach, um, yeah, go into your coaching, the gentleman on the, ah, gosh, the football team that you just started. How long ago was that? And then how was that? Were players receptive of, of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Working with um, males that are that have goals for getting a faster 40 is amazing because they have a specific goal and I can specifically help them with that. And I had some athletes that were getting ready for like a CFL combine to potentially be on a CFL team, which is awesome. And that's what I kind of love doing is because I have this huge background and science background and working with a lot of coaches and speed coaching. And a lot of NFL and CFL athletes are working with speed coaches and track coaches now, because that's going to be huge for their technical aspect down the line. And I get that question all the time. Like, why would football players work with speed coaches? I'm like, why would they not? And I think that's so huge is to question that because I constantly got questioned as a female. I was on a couple like local radio stations when I first got the position, they're saying why they were actually asking me why. And I was just like, why not? Are you, Um, do you not want to see these athletes reach their full potential? And it could be just, um, if someone, the difference between someone running a four, five to a four, three, and, and if you run a four, five and, uh, you run a four, seven, like if you could run that four, five, why would you not push that limit and change your technique just a little bit more? Because if we do look at, uh, football athletes, when we saw, um, DK Metcalf, Remember when he chased down mm. that other uh, Buddha Baker, right? Yeah. So, because people say, well, football players usually have the ball. Like what, why do we need technical arm training or leg training? I'm like, if you watched him turn on that dime and chase down that other athlete, you will see why technique matters. We're not just doing speed ladders here. We're doing technical training because he had perfect form, perfect legs, stride, everything that actually made him catch up. So you're either being chased or you're chasing someone, right? Sometimes. Yeah. He looked like a gazelle out there actually kind of, yeah. Now I'm kind of picturing everything that like came back to that play and how middle of the end zone interception happens. And he literally like almost looked like a giant kangaroo, just like literally three, four, five strides slash hops. And he was already within maybe two, three seconds already caught up to a guy who was 25 yards in front of him. Exactly. And he turned on a dime. So I'm, yeah. there's a lot to be said with, um, yes, like football training is great, but linear speed training is um, very helpful. So I, I just think um, the amount of people that question me why I have this is it's um, it's crazy to me why you think that you shouldn't be having your athletes go to their full potential. Especially with the National Football League where plays usually last two to three seconds. Um, but if you get out in the open field, there's a lot of cutting going on, a lot of stopping on a dime. So you have to be able to, like you said, technique's going to matter. 
100%. And also from a difference between a 4-6 and a 4-4, that could mean two to $5 million for a player, especially showing up at a combine (laughs) when you're sitting here in the third, fourth round, you're like, that's where you're projected to be. All of a sudden you run a four, three, eight, and you're a middle linebacker. You probably go from the third to the fourth round and maybe like middle of the end of the first, and you just made yourself a ton of money. And now you're on your first contract and you're, you should be for the most part set. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's key. Um, Amanda, we're going to be wrapping this interview up. I want you to promote all of your social media, your website, every project that you are um, currently involved with right now that you would like to. Exactly. Um, So if you guys want to find me on Twitter, it's at Amanda Bollock. So it's kind of play off the word anabolic, which means to build up muscle. (laughs) And so you can find me at my website, amandabollock.com, where I provide um, speed training for athletes, or maybe you're just an individual that wants to do more speed and power type of stuff. I do have a background in Olympic lifting, so I provide some information on that as well as training. Um, on uh, Instagram, it's just at Amanda Ruler, Ruler with two L's. And on Twitch, it's Amanda Ruler. If you want to come watch me play Madden, I play Madden. I play Call of Duty. Um, sometimes I play Uno. Um, yeah, I play lots of video games. <laughs> do you do you get a, do you like create time for yourself to do that? Yeah, because it, it's definitely fun. And it gives me a way like when I am playing these games, I actually end up just telling a lot of stories, like about my life um, and football or whatever, especially if I'm playing Madden, like people ask me tons of football questions. So yeah. Oh, I can <laughs> only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there are like that. Yeah, there's just a lot. to you, and That's what we learned throughout this last hour and some change today. Um, any other parting shots? Um, honestly, just if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And just remember that. It's very true. Another, another thing I've been using a lot is short-term pain, long-term pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for Amanda Ruler, my name is Jesse Velasquez, and we will see you on the flip side.